0: Hello and welcome to The Raising Men Show, and I'm your host, Craig Carlisle. Super Tuesdays, so you know how we do. What up, Chatham? Today, we're going to continue with this series, Quarantining Our Thoughts. And I've got a really great uh, in-studio guest with me. Well, she's not really in-studio. it's going to be over video conferencing because, you know, we are supposed to be socially distancing. Make sure we're washing our hands, not picking our nose, not putting your hands on our eyeballs. You know, doing things that are safe. Be wise and help people. And for those of you that are hoarding, stop it. There's more than enough food to go around and be kind to people. It's it's always what's best. Marion Page has been on the show before. She's a returning guest. She's my aunt. I'm very excited to know her. She's my dad's sister. She has a master's degree in Applied Biblical Studies from Moody Bible Institute, and she has also earned a master's degree in Public Administration from the University of San Francisco. She's taught eschatology across the United States, Italy, and West Africa. Her teachings are relevant, inspirational, and punctuated with a real life stories and a dash of humor. I know you'll enjoy her. So today I'm very, very pleased and excited, as a matter of fact, to have a very special guest in the studio with me. I have. Mary Page. She's a, professor at Next Gen- oh, she's a professor at Next Dimension University in Rancho Cucamonga. I- I'm very excited too because she's not only my aunt, but she's also one of the foremost, you know, I would think leaders in the field of just the book of Revelation. One of the two books that she's written on the topic is one of us called A Study Guide for the Book of Revelation, Blessings in the Book, and that, that's a great one. I have them both in my hands. And the second one is equally as great. It's called Adventures in Revelation, Eschatology for Kids. And she's teaching on these books, teaching on the topic, using these as resources right now at Next Dimension University. Hello, Auntie. How are you doing? Talk to the people.
1: I'm doing fine, Neff. How about you?
0: So far, so good. And I've been excited about this since we talked earlier in the week about trying to do this. And uh, so many people all around the world are dealing with COVID-19 and yes wondering what comes next And this is at the end of the world and oh my goodness should we go you know buy a boat and go out of the water is the flood coming is the fire coming should i join the <laughs> fire department you know should i just kill myself now should i just what? be a hoarder and you know live in a bunker and you know, right you know you know and if the lord takes you to the you know, pre-trip post-trip oh my goodness we're gonna have a trip you know what are we <laughs> gonna do and and the topic that we are on you know in the series right now on the raising men show is is quarantining our thoughts. So help us look at the book of Revelation in a way that can help our listeners quarantine our thoughts on where we are and where does COVID-19 kind of fit within the whole revelationary period? Are we there yet? Or are we still along the way?
1: Oh, you do ask some rather pointed questions, my nephew. Well, you know me. Uh, Yeah, I, I know you always been uh, along that along that that vein no actually those questions are all very very good questions and they're valid um we live in a very difficult time in that i guess as it was in the past but it just seems so much more so now that we live in a day where nothing looks familiar in terms of what's happening globally Even what's happening politically, you've got the political pundits and the experts on the various news stations, whatever your favorite is, pick one. I could pick another. Uh, But everybody is saying we've never seen this before. Um, We've never seen a president like this before. Uh, Congress has never been like this before. And so there's so much going on. It breeds uncertainty. And then with all the political and economic stuff that's going on in the world today it, it it's only amplified and magnified by the fact that now we have a virus well we've had viruses before that's true the the skeptics among us are absolutely correct we've had the flu virus and we've had Zika with the babies in South America, Uh, we've had MERS and SARS, and we've seen the people in China and Japan with masks on their faces, but it didn't affect us. But now, all of a sudden, it's not only affecting me, it's in my home not the disease itself, but the effects of it. And it's in my home, it's my bedroom, it's my kitchen, it's my groceries, it's my paper towels and bathroom tissue. You know, uh, we're hoarding things that we never even thought of before. So what is going on? And all of that breeds uncertainty. And for many, it breeds fear. It's because you've got those that say, they're overreacting, for crying out loud. Uh, You've got more than 1 million people infected around the world. When have we ever seen 1 million of us infected with the same thing, and there's no no cure on the market for it? They're, They're talking about trying it and seeing what happens on a group of people, and if it works fine, and if it doesn't, fine. When have we ever been so cavalier since, way back in the dark ages when we were not supposed to be doing some of the things they did, uh, experimenting on certain groups. So yeah, your questions are absolutely valid. What does all this mean? It seems like each of us knows that it means something, that it's not just happening without reason, without purpose. But we're not sure what what it is. And there we get back to the fear, the uncertainty breeds fear, which takes us back to why many of us did not read. And I include myself so that you don't think I'm I'm higher and mightier than thou. Uh, We all have been in various stages of our relationship with Jesus Christ and our connection with his word. We've all been at various places where we were close to him and we were sure that we could speak to the mountain and it would move. And then we've had other times where we weren't even sure he knew our name or where we live. So I'm um, trying to be inclusive with all of us in terms of where we are on the spectrum of what's happening what is happening, and that, that, as I was saying, that is why many people are so lost because they have not read the book of Revelation, they have not been taught the book of Revelation, Uh, and I don't fault our our old pastors who brought us up uh, in the way and taught us what they knew. I do not fault them. They would tell us, stay out of the book of Revelation. Uh, you're going to get confused, and then you'll end up leaving the church because you don't understand what's going on. I remember a pastor saying, Revelation holds the past, the present, and the future. Oh, my God. Well, how could any one book hold all of that, and and where would we fit in there? Uh, but I think that if we look back just a little bit to the book of Daniel, when the tribulation was first given to this this man who started out as a teenager and now he's an old man. He's been in Babylon over in Iraq for 70, close to 70 years, 69 some odd years. And he realizes that their time of captivity is coming to an end and then the Lord says to him, God speaks to him and says, not only is your time of captivity coming to an end, but there's another week the Jews would count times in, in, the, in weeks uh, as opposed to years. So one week would be seven years. Uh, A week, uh, one day equals one year. And so seven, so the week that was left that God said, I'm going to deal with your people. Well, that's significant. He was talking to a young Jewish an older at this point, Jewish man, uh, who became, who was a prophet of the Most High. And he was speaking to him and he said, to your people, Daniel, that's key. Because as he begins to describe what we now know as the tribulation, Daniel didn't know it. No one in his generation knew it. uh, And the Lord wasn't even prepared to reveal it. But he said to Daniel, as he begins to, to describe this week and what was going to happen, he said, but don't worry about it now, Daniel. Write what I'm telling you. Document it. Journal it, if you will, put it in a book, seal it up until the time of the end. So what I'm saying is the Lord knew from the beginning that he was not yet ready to reveal the the apocalypse, the apocalypsis, uh, the Greek form of the word. He wasn't ready to unveil all of that yet, but he wanted it on record. He wanted it on record so that we would be able to look back and know. And so he said, seal it up until the time of the end. And then in the time of the end, knowledge is going to go to and fro. I'm going to open up this thing and everybody everywhere is going to know what I'm talking about and what I'm getting ready to do, but not until the time of the end. So our pastors who raised us in the word. Don't be upset. Why didn't my pastor teach me this? And my pastor must have been incompetent, and he must have been illiterate. No, it was not the Lord's will. It was not the time. He said, seal it up. I'm going to come back to that later. I got to deal with some other stuff, if you'll allow me to paraphrase. Paraphrasing helps me with my understanding. But, uh, and I, I think sometimes it makes it a little bit easier to understand. So, Uh, As Daniel was praying about all of this and the Lord reveals to him these phenomenal things that were going to be happening at the end of time, in the last days, in the history of this earth, what was going to be going on. And so much of that, all of that, is discussed and identified further in the book of Revelation. And so now you have people everywhere. And I remember it was back in the 70s when I first heard the word rapture. Had no clue what it meant. It was back in the 70s. And a girl at work said, my pastor is teaching us about the rapture. And I thought, what what is that but i didn't want to be uninformed and act like i didn't know cuz my pastor hadn't taught me anything about that and i listened intently as she told me what he was teaching her and th- that was the start of the lord putting a fire in my bosom and an inquiry and a question mark in my mind as to how this could have some relevance to me and that was the start of it but it's significant Because as you go into the book of Revelation, particularly when you get down to the tribulation, which is uh, about the third section down based on the way the Lord gave it to me. And don't let me forget to go back to that. I don't want to sidetrack on that right now. But the the tribulation, uh, it's important for you to know who was God talking to to whom was he speaking? What group of people did this apply to? And once you realize who you are and whose you are, and then who the Lord was speaking to, who was he talking about? Then that erases a world of fear. It brings a calm. When you realize Daniel was a Jewish young man when he went into captivity along with his other friends who were young men of great faith, they had been there on a 70 year captivity and now they were at least 86, 87 years old. Daniel's no longer this young, boy in the lion's den he's now an old seasoned warrior praying for his people and so when the Lord spoke to him he said this week this 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 tribulation thing that you're going to to, to deal with an experience is for your people Daniel so perhaps you are not Jewish And I am not Jewish, except I do claim the blessings of Abraham by adoption. I then become a black Jew. (laughs) And and proudly so, as I stand uh, with the patriarch Abraham and claim all of those unconditional promises which were granted to us through Jesus Christ. So now I'm an heir and a joint heir. But actually, the Lord was speaking to his chosen people, the Jews. He gave them a job to do, called them out and gave them a place in history. And they said, no, no thanks. We don't want, you're, you're not our Messiah. You will never be our Messiah, even though the prophets had given detail as to where he would be born, where he'd be raised, what he would be like, what he would do, he fulfilled all those things. Isaiah said, a virgin shall be with child. Sure enough, a virgin tells her betrothed that she is expecting, yet she declares fidelity that she has been faithful to him. Just as the prophet said, but the Jewish people, the nation. Yes, we have some Christian Jews, Christian brothers and sisters that stand shoulder to shoulder with us even now, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, Christian Jews. And and I think it's wonderful that we support them and, 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 and love them. But the nation of Israel, as a nation, has not bowed her knee to Jesus Christ as Lord. And then some would say, well, why did he choose the Jews? Why them? Why not the French? Why not the Swiss? Why not someone from South or North America or Canada or one of the other continents? Why? Why, why did he choose them? And the Lord said it was strategic. I I, I had something in mind. Don't think that I did this haphazardly. I chose you because you were the least of all people. And through your weakness, through your insignificance, my strength can really show up. I can show you who I am. And that's why, sidebar, I think the Lord calls some of us. It's like, Lord, why do you have me with this radio program, this platform raising men? Who am I? I'm just trying to find my way. I'm just trying to recover from a great loss. I'm trying to regroup my life, and you call me for this ministry. Who am I? And then I would ask the same question. Oh, Lord. Oh, sovereign one are you sure you did not make a mistake me one of the least of all people and the lord is saying absolutely i called you because you didn't think you knew everything because you didn't think you were the smartest chip you know in the class you 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 you, you you're not you're not all that and you don't believe you're all that therefore i can use you i can fill you with my presence and my spirit and so I think, what was the, I said to you, don't let me forget to go back, uh, talking the part, about. The third step there. Yeah, the third step. Um, and, and that's where, that, that's, that's where the, the confusion begins. But when you realize you, we today, we live in the dispensation or the time frame of the church, the church there was no such thing as a church in the old testament he had not implemented this strange new thing no one had ever heard of a, of a church he dealt with his people through the patriarchs your abraham and noah and others they spoke and told the people what thus saith the lord and then we had the judges that came along and the judges told the people what thus saith the Lord and administered judgment throughout the nation of Israel. And after the people got tired of the judges, they wanted a king. And you know the story there, someone they could bow down to and someone they could bring love offerings. And They wanted a king. And you know, the, the Lord told Samuel to tell them, you don't need uh, another king. I'm, I'll be your king. I'm your judge. I'll love you. I'll deal fairly with you. And they said, no, we want to be like other nations. And um, so the Lord said, okay, fine. Let me tell you though, what your king is going to be like. And then the Lord describes to them the manner of man that this king is going to be like. And sometimes we do that even with the people that we elect or the churches we go to or who we choose to have over us. Sometimes you can see, I believe the last time we talked, we talked about red flags. And what do we do with the flags?
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: Sometimes the Lord will show a flag, and it's just waving, the, like like the cross ties on the railroad that my one of my daughters would tell me about. The bells are ringing, the red lights are flashing, the arms are going up and down, the flags are waving, saying danger, 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 and we're saying yes, I see it. And what did Israel say? Yeah we hear you lord he's going to take our sons and they're going to be killed he's going to our sons are going to be killed our wives are going to be taken and made cooks and our daughters are going to be abused and misused and whatever but we want we want a king anyway we we want this and so the lord said okay so he took us through the the time of the kings and then he put his beloved king david the man who was the apple of God's eye, so far from perfect. My Lord, how could a man who set up a murder, an execution, an adulterer, how could he be the apple of God's eye? The same way that you and I are the apple of God's eye. God saw something in us. There was a song we used to sing a lot back in the day that said he looked beyond my fault and saw my need. Yeah. And that's what God did. He, he, The Lord looked beyond our faults and saw the need and said, I, I can use that. I can use that boy. I can use that girl. I can put something in him. And, and, and so he did. So he took us through the times of the kings and he took us through the age of the prophets where the prophets would say, thus saith the Lord God almighty. 40 days and Nineveh is coming down. If you don't fast and pray, or if you don't seek the Lord, the the whole city is going to be destroyed. And it would happen just as the prophets said. And then... We come to the end, you've got the major prophets and the minor prophets, which as we know does not mean one group was bigger or more major or better than the other, but just the length of time that they prophesied and the the number of prophecies that they shared. But we had the age of the prophets. Then we went into what is known as the 400 silent years. Nothing recorded, nothing coming out of heaven, Nothing, no word from the Lord. No wonder the word of the Lord was precious in some of those days prior. So we have all this silent time. Then all of a sudden, Mark burst on the scene. Matthew burst on and Luke and John. And you've got these 12 Jewish men uh, just that the Lord handpicked to be his disciples, his followers, and he used them and another guy that was not, real, not a real savory character uh, by the name of Saul, not to be confused with the Old Testament Saul, but you got this other guy out here who's quite a hothead. I mean, he is an uh, an Orthodox Jew from from the day one. He's of the tribe and the stock of Benjamin. Letting you know, I I got a little pedigree going on here. My people have clout. I'm not just somebody that came off the street. I'm of the stock of Benjamin. And you know, Benjamin was was the the baby boy that uh, Rachel's last son, she died giving birth to him. He's the one that his father changed his name because as Rachel's labor was so hard, it was so hard. She she called him Benomi and or Benomai. And that was because he was the son of my pain. And she died. But before she took her last breath, Dad says, no, no, no. Don't call him. I don't want to remember him that way. Uh, Let's call him Benjamin. And he's Benjamin. And so it it was wonderful to be of the tribe of Joseph, his favorite son, or Benjamin. So here we have the hothead Saul. And God says, that's fine. Those of you with your tempers and your quick tongues, uh, some of you say things, and it's like I would think of it two weeks later and go, gosh, why didn't I say such and such, you know? And some people are just like, they, you know, they, they just have an answer right on the spot. And I'm thinking, yeah, that would have been good to say if I'd have thought about it later, or maybe it wouldn't have been good. But uh, God says, yeah, I can use, I can, I can use that. I can use it. And he takes these 12 disciples and then he grabs this this hothead uh, who's out to destroy everything that doesn't match what he feels God is. And, you know, Christians, we have to be careful that we don't do that to one another today because somebody doesn't worship the way we worship or they're a little bit more exuberant, or they do this, or they do that, or they sing a little bit loudly. And then others who just sit quietly with tears streaming, listening to the hymns of old. Uh, Let's not critique and criticize one another because we are different. We all have different ways of expressing what it is we feel. But God took this group of 13, 12 and then the one, and he implemented something that Daniel didn't see. And no, none of the prophets mentioned anything about a thing called the church. So the New Testament breaks in on the scene and we have this new organism called the church based solely on the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That this Messiah, and I guess today is, is today Palm Sunday? Yes, it is. Since we haven't been having church, I've lost track of my days. But isn't <laughs> today too. Palm Sunday? Yes, ma'am. Where, where you know, when, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, and I'm, I'm going to get to the tribulation in just a moment, but I wanted to kind of set the stage for you a little bit. Because sometimes if you can remind us of what we already know, It'll it'll abate some of the, the the fears and and the frantic behaviors and, and and it'll let you know that you can buy toilet paper by the case and that's not going to change the plan and the will of God. You can you can go and get yourself um, some boxes of pre-dried rations that are going to last you for seven years for seven hundred and fifty dollars on. Uh, on one of those television stations you can they're advertising it you can get enough food for two people to last seven years for fifteen hundred dollars to get you through the tribulation well my my thing is why are you planning why are you planning meal planning why are you doing meal planning for the tribulation if you've been saved by the blood of Jesus you've been washed glory to God in his precious blood you have said yes lord i notice i didn't say anything about perfection if it's going to be based on perfection then you and i have to bow out right now i I, I, at least i have to say sorry i I don't qualify I, i i can't do it but why are we planning to go through the tribulation that's not what i read in the Word.
0: Let me interrupt you one second right here. We have to take a break because as we are going through mm-hmm. Zoom conferencing now has changed its policy. So it's, it wants to stop me every so often. So let me interrupt you right here and then we'll come back to the hold that thought. I'm going to stop the conference. Right Thank you. You're listening to The Raising Men Show with your host, my dad, Craig Carlisle on WKBY 1080 AM.
1: Who you hire as your realtor matters. You need a realtor who looks out for your best interests and not their own. Marie Clark with Allison James Estates is a full-time realtor specializing in helping first-time homebuyers in Temecula and the surrounding areas. She is also a ministry leader. Today, why don't you choose Marie Clark to buy or sell your next home? Please call 951-265-6259.
0: This is Craig Carlisle, the host of The Raising Men Show, and I'm also an executive producer of the independent feature film Restored Me. It's a powerful, feel good dramedy that centers around a young man trying to restore his relationship with his young daughter and her mother after his wrongful incarceration. This film speaks to restoring your faith and pushes a bold message of positivity and motivation. The cast includes Gary Owen, Bill Duke, Will Young Lee, Matt Gerald. Richard T. Jones, Malik Yowa, Yancey Arias, and Bo Casper Smart, just to name a few. Restored Me is available on over 100 digital markets, including iTunes, Amazon, and on-demand from your local cable provider. Buy it, rent it, either way, I'm asking you to watch it. It'll bless your life. You're listening to The Raising Men Show with your host, my dad, Craig Carlisle, on WKBY 1080 AM. Okay, we're back from break. So pick up where you, take us back to where you were um, and keep going. I apologize for the break. I hate breaks and commercials, but...
1: Not a problem. They are a necessary part of what we do. And I know that Zoom has been having some issues. So it's best that you do whatever you need to do. I am honored. Please let me say that to be a part of you and your and your radio audience Those of you out, they used to say in Radio Land. I don't know if they say that anymore. We say, "Oh, all of you in Radio Land." Um, But I'm honored uh, to have a chance to share my understanding and why I'm excited about these days. I'm not fearful, but excited. But using common sense, and every now and then, you know, we are human. We we are flesh and blood, so we're, 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 we're going to support one another. We're going to hold each other up, we meaning all of us, not just you and me, but we're going to hold one another up and not be overly critical. As I said earlier, we've not been down this road before. Some things that happen to us in life, we can honestly say, you know what, I've been here before. Sometimes when we're talking about money or, be, or being broke or without a job or the car breaks down, you can say, you know what, I, I've been here before. I remember I used to work with a guy at Children's Hospital and they were Children's was getting ready to do some massive reorganization. It was huge. And they were going to be combining departments and laying off departments and all kinds of stuff. And this must have been in the 80s. Because I went to Children's in '85, January of '85, and um, and and everybody was nervous and wondering what was going to happen. And it, this one guy that used to come in and out of our office, he was like what they used to call an orderly. I think he would take the patients to the OR and go pick up. He, he was one of those always rolling around behind a gurney. But anyway, he did lots of things, and I remember him saying, "You know what, Mary, I'm." worried about it because I was looking for a job when I found this one. And I thought, you know what? That's true. So he's saying, I, I'm, I'm not going to trip. I was looking for a job. I, I, in other words, I was unemployed <laughs> when I found this job. So sometimes we've been down a certain road before and it, uh, we're able to go back and you know draw on that but we've not seen the likes of what we are seeing now and it can breed insecurity instability fear dread and the other word that that um, that i like to use once i checked it out it, it he was talking the lord was talking to joshua and he would say to joshua be not afraid be of good courage Tell him to be, be courageous, be strong, be not afraid. And then he'd say, neither be dismayed. And I've read that for like a jillion years. And then one, year, one, one day I decided, look up that word dismayed in English. I mean, we can go Hebrew, Greek and all that later, but, but look, let's look at that word dismayed. And one of the definitions of it hit where we are right now, in my humble opinion. And that is to be dismayed, one of the definitions is to be afraid in advance that something is going to happen that hasn't happened yet. So you can be afraid because the the storm is, brewing, and the clouds are there, and you can see it. Or you see destruction around you. Uh, The hurricane is, the, the banks are overflowing. So that's a reason to be afraid. You hear the wind howling. It's not like you pretending the wind. The wind is really howling. It's a category three. Now it's up to a four. It's up to a five. Okay, you're afraid. That makes sense. Dismayed is you're already worried, sick about a thing that hasn't even happened yet that's worse than just fear because dismay is kind of like what i call the woulda coulda shoulda there's there's no end to that there there is no end uh i hope that that phone in the background is not coming through on your you're,
0: okay. you're okay
1: you know okay um because i'd have to stop and go and try to get it up i'm sorry um so we don't want to be dismayed but we are human we're We love Jesus. We love God. And we sometimes we're anxiously awaiting his return. And then when it looks like he might be doing something to get us ready, then we're not so anxious anymore. Uh, We are flesh and blood. We're, we're, We're not divine. Yes, we have the spirit of God in us, but that does not make me divine. Jesus Christ was the one who was fully God and fully man. He is the Emmanuel that Isaiah prophesied about and said that it's God with us. He's with us. And we have to remember that, that the Lord is with us. But I was saying, I believe before we left, that he instituted this thing called the church. And the church was an unknown entity prior to this New Testament revelation. And he took this hothead, zealous, highly educated guy and decided, you know what, I can use that. I can take that zeal and his, Paul must've had, when God changed his name, he must've had a, 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 just a thirst for knowledge how he could learn all these different languages he was a smart guy I mean uh, study that the the feet of Gamaliel he, he he was an expert in Hebrew and he was an expert in in Aramaic and he could speak uh, Italian and deal with the Romans and didn't matter the Philippians, whatever dialect they taught, he, he, he was just, he had all that. And, and, and he was of the pride the, 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 and the stock of Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin and had been to school and studied with the best scholars. He knew his theology, so he thought. And God thought, mm-hmm, I can use that. And I love that. I want you all to be encouraged. Those of you that are listening now, be encouraged because wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you bring to the table, we all bring something different. I I, I bring what I bring. I like to write and I like to make lesson plans and I can bring that. And uh, someone else can, the Hebrew scholars, they can bring that to the table. Craig, you're doing something electronic that I have no clue what it is or how it works. I just know that I'd like a copy of it when it's all done. Have no idea how to even click on the copy, but you've got that. So we all bring something to the table. God has given all of us something that he can use. You say, well, I don't have anything. Yes, you do. You just have to go and again. And it may seem insignificant to you, but for God, it is significant. So the Lord then implements this thing where you and I are now. We are a part of this body called the church. And I don't know if each generation or each dispensation, each group of people from the patriarchs to the, to the judges, to the kings and the prophets, I don't know if they all felt like some of us now that, well, I'll do it when I get around to it, because I've got forever to do this. I think some of us Christians feel like, okay, Lord, whenever I get around to what you ask me to do, I'll do it. And not before. And we don't put our hands on our little bony hips and say, and you make me. But our attitude says that. And that's what happened with the Jews. Their attitude said, I'll put my hand on my hip and shake my other bony finger in the face of God and say, no. Now, I don't know how that would have played out with your mother, depending on whether you're a millennial or a Generation Z or baby boomer and traditionalist. I can tell you, I've hung around some, uh, a few traditionalists. My deceased mother was one uh, in that generation. And I married a man that was kind of on at the beginning of this baby, uh, he was pre-baby boomer and then I'm a baby boomer and I can tell you if our parents had told us to do something, and if we didn't get up like immediately, some of us, well, let's just say, there was no CPS to call and our parents would not have been very happy if we had said, I'm not doing it. <laughs> and so that's what Israel had the nerve to say. And so the Lord, after he finishes dealing with Daniel, then he says, okay, Israel, fine. You, you, you don't want me to, you, I'm not your God. I'm not your, I'm not your Messiah. Um, I'll come back. I'll be back. I'm going to deal with you later. Sometimes we say we're going to do stuff later and then we forget and we don't do it. And so, we, but trust me, the Lord is not going to forget. What he gave you to do that you postponed indefinitely and blatantly and arrogantly refused to do. So now he stops dealing with the Old Testament patriarchs and saints and he starts dealing with this New Testament group. And we have a limited time to do what we're going to do. We do not have forever. Eternity doesn't begin and end with us the church has its dispensation it has its charge we have our duties to do what God has called us to do now what are we to do tell a dying world that he lives we are he said I, I, I want you to go into the highways and the hedges that's why evangelism has First forward, and you have some of us criticizing one another. Why are you criticizing the guy that wants to go to? Some people ask me, Why are you going to Africa? We got we got poor people over here. I know, I know, but the Lord told told me to go and help those over there. And He's got organizations here that are feeding the hungry, feed America, feed the children, and we're all we all have to do what we have to do. But we can't just sit around and wait for what wait till spirit moves us when he when he says go he's expecting a yes lord and so we don't have an indefinite period of time where this thing starts and ends with us he expects us to be even jesus himself at 12 years old you know the story where he left behind and they had gone three days journey and finally, Mary and Joseph look at one another and go, oh, uh, have you seen Jesus? No. Well, it wasn't so-and-so. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I thought, I thought you had him. I thought he. Uh, uh, and then they realize, gone three days journey, and they're just now missing Jesus? Well, we, I guess we won't fault them for that either. Each that he was with some other relative. When in, when they went back to check him out, and found he was what? He was in the temple discussing things with the doctors and the lawyers and the scholars of that day, debating things that, that they did not know. And then when Mary and Joseph caught up with him and then he said, uh, they're like, son, How could you do this? Your mother and I were worried sick. Where were you? What were you doing? You know how you would say to your child, if the child had been there, oh, well, I was over. I was at the church with Pastor so-and-so. Are you kidding me? Don't you ever do that again. You don't go stand behind church. I don't care who you're talking to. Come on. You know, we got to go. And Jesus said, it's almost like he was shocked. Like, well, didn't you? I, I had to be about my father's business. I don't have, I've got three years to do what I'm going to do. I I, I don't have always. And I'm saying that so that you'll know our time is winding down. And then your individual time. I've got, since yesterday, three, not one, not two, but three death messages of friends and people that I know. One yesterday came by email, another came by Facebook, and another by a phone call. And it's like, good Lord, what is going on? So your time to what you have to do may even be shorter, but church as a body of believers, whether we're in the physical building or not. Thank God the church is within each of us because Jesus has taken up his abode within us. Therefore, we don't have to be afraid. We can just ride out the storm and it's not a foolish thing. Every now and then, you'll see people on television. I live in Southern California, so I can't imagine, thank God, what a hurricane, uh, a cat 5 hurricane would feel like, or a tornado, F-whatever. I, I don't know what that would be like, but I do know that sometimes they'll tell everybody, evacuate now, get out of the city. Otherwise, no help will be coming to you. And they'll say, we can't send anybody back after you because we would be jeopardizing their lives. You've heard those commercials. And they'll say, and some of the people will say, no, not leaving. Been here before, I rolled out the other one, a hurricane, whatever, whatever. I'm not leaving. I'm going to stay and ride out the storm. Some of those people didn't live to tell it. Others were blessed. They would say lucky, perhaps, but blessed. So, But we have to learn that our God is in control. And we can ride out the storm. Because when Jesus was on board with the disciples, that same Jesus, this same, this same dispensation, we we're we're, we're a part of the same church that Peter, James and John were a part of. We're a part of the same church that Paul established in in Ephesus and and in Galatia and 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 in Thessalonica and Philippi, same church in Rome, same church. There's just this one church body and we're a part of it. And when those guys were out on that boat and the storm hit the virus swept toward the land so to speak making example here all right when he an analogy that when when the virus hit and they were scared to death they had every right, though they were experienced they were experienced sailors some of us are are experienced warriors. We walked with Jesus for 10 years. Some have walked with him for 15 or 20. Others of us have been around 30 or 40, and we might not want to go any further lest somebody try to calculate our age. And you know, a lady doesn't always tell. But uh, some of us have been through many a storm. And some of you in your five years, you've had some stuff that hit you pretty hard. And so you can say, I know what God can do. And so those gentlemen on that ship, those fishermen, those boys knew what to do in a storm and they had done everything they could do. But then the storm seemed to be getting worse instead of better. And what happened? Fear grew their natural hearts. No, they were not cowards. No, you're not a coward. No, our pastors are not cowards that are that are closing their doors because the law said to close the door. So we know we don't have time to sit around judging one another uh, unless that's the pastor's calling to go to jail uh, because by the law and I don't know whether God will be glorified in that or not because the Lord said the Bible said the law is for the lawless. So if you will not follow the law, then the law is for you. And so as they were on board that ship, fear must have gripped their hearts to some degree. And, 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 and then somebody remembered, oh, Jesus is down, down below. The fully human part of him needed a nap. It needed a good rest. It, it needed some sleep. Sometimes that's what we need. Lord, I'm getting in this bed and I'm going to sleep. And I'm, I'm asking you to bless me in the name of Jesus. I, I, I remember telling the Lord after my husband died, I said, Lord, when I go to sleep at night, I'm in here by myself. I've never lived alone in, by myself before, never. I've never, I've never been in the house day after day after day by myself. And I said, when I lay my head on that pillow, I want to sleep all night long. I don't want to be waking up shaking and trembling and scared and wondering what's happened. So Jesus was downstairs, down below in the, in the ship, sleeping. And the boys went to him. And they, wake up, Jesus, 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 there's a storm. And then somebody got an attitude like, don't you even care that we're about to die? That's, I don't recommend that you go challenging. That's that, that's that Martha spirit. If you had been here, you could have stopped him. We called you four, four days ago. Where were you? I mean, you know, we, we, we don't want to go there. We don't want to do that. So they, they, but that's what they said. Don't you care? Carest thou not? James Cleveland perfected that song. Carest thou not that we perish? And then Jesus woke up, can see him wiping sleep from his eyes, my God, guys, chill out. It's all right, it's gonna be all right. He walks up to the top level of the deck, looks out, glory to God, at the storm, and he says, peace, be still. And the storm ceased boys looked at one another in amazement. What kind man is this? We've never seen, we've seen a lot of stuff in our years as seaworthy fishermen. We've dealt with some storms, but never have we seen one confronted face to face and say, Peace, be still. That even the wind and the waves obey him. That's your God. That's who you serve. That one, the one that calmed it. And I don't know whether God is going to give us uh, the option to stand up and say to the virus, to say to what is going on in our world today, peace, be still. And if the storm is not calmed around us, we can be like the little bird that's in the palm of Jesus and we will be calm in the midst of the storm. So he can calm our hearts once we remember who we are and who it is, that same Jesus can speak to the storms today. So let's go to my book, Blessings in the Book. On page 16, there is a diagram that made it easy for me, easier for me to understand the book of Revelation. And I want, I think, that the students that I have shared it with down through the years, it also has helped them. And that chart is divided into four sections. In the upper left, chapters one through three of the book of Revelation is where we need to really be focusing. We like to get all tangled up in the, revela- in the tribulation, and I love it too. Some of that stuff is unbelievable. It's like God, for real. You're you really going to create a creature that looks like that, the face of a man with a head like a lion or somebody in, uh, hair like a woman, and, and you're going to tell me it's a locust, but it's the size of a horse. Come on. And it's got a breastplate on. Jesus, come on. Only God could think of something like that. And some of the rest of this, and we get all tangled up and then we get scared and confused, but you've got to know that in Revelation chapter one, two, three, one through three, he is saying to the church, that's directly to you. You need to see what he's saying. I know who you are. Almost everyone starts with, I know your works. I know what you've done. I know who you are. I know where you've been. I know who you were with. I know who you did it with. I even know why you did it. I know your motives. That know is significant. And he's letting the church. I let him know I see you. I see that you know doctrine. I see that you can sing and praise and worship and the church will just fall out in the spirit because you are so awesome with running up and down the keys. I see you as a skilled musician. I know you're a skilled technician. I know, Mary, you can talk fast and teach and blah, blah, blah. But I know why you did it. I know your motive. I know what drives you. And I know your shortcomings. And I want you to know that I love you. This is the group for whom he died. We, He loved us so much that we're his bride. And he wants us to know, keep working. He that hath an ear, do you have an ear? Let him hear what the spirit says. Well, what about the deaf and the mute? He said, that's fine. I can heal them or not. If I do, fine. If I don't, I can speak to their heart. If I have to do it in sign language, I'll get it over to them. I love you. And so those first three chapters, it's critical that we understand that's the first place where you find us in the book of Revelation. We are here, we're doing our work and and the Lord is communing with us. So Revelation, it's revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him which he then gave to the door and sent and signified it by his servant John and then John took the message wrote it in a book and sent it to those seven churches why seven We all believe and understand that seven is God's number of legion. Everywhere on the planet today, you will find a church that is represented somewhere, somehow among those seven. You will find your church somewhere in those lists of qualifications, those lists of characteristics and traits. You, You will find your church somewhere in that group. And so the Lord is speaking to the church, and he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. And some of the churches, he said, if you don't get it together, again, Mary's paraphrase, I've got something for you. Now, most of us as adults, we do not take kindly to uh, somebody giving us an ultimatum. Either you do this or I'll do that. You know, some of those of you that have the quick tongue would say, well, I tell you what you can do with that. And, and, the rest of us might be trying to figure it out two or three days later. We don't like an ultimatum, but the Lord issued some ultimatums in those first three chapters. If you don't do such and such, I, if you don't get it together, I will come swiftly and move your candlestick, your church out of its place. Your church will only be a byword and a memory. When I'm done with you, if you, if you don't do what I have commissioned you to do, I, I will take care of you and you don't wanna fall into the hands of an angry God. See, we know him as the sweet suffering Satan that was slain before the foundation of the world. Oh, Lamb of God, slain for me. Ah, uh, Yes, but in, Re- in Revelation, we, we go deeper into the word and we find a different Jesus. One with an attitude and a chip on his shoulder. One his shoulder. One that you're not just going to say anything to him and get away with it. You will not walk up and slap this Jesus and tell him where he can go and what he can do. Because when you see him again on the other side of the resurrection, he is now angry and pouring out wrath without measure. So one through three. He's talking to us, the church here on earth. Chapters four and five, just those two are brief, and I just love them because it is our first peek into the throne room of heaven, and we can see what is going on, and we get a glimpse of God that we have not seen before with his face glowing like a diamond and a ruby, and we see someone standing beside the throne and the seated on the throne, has a book or a scroll in his hand, and you can see him holding it up. And it has to be huge. Why do you think it has to be huge? Well, it can't be the little tiny book, because he's holding this thing up. And we find out that it has the names of all of those of us who, who have, have given our lives to the Lord, and it's the book of life. It's, it's the book of life, and, and, and our names are written down in that book. It has to be large enough to accommodate all of the names. This is my imagination, and, and I, I like for you to relax and, and open up and, and, and receive this because the Lord is saying, I want you to know what I'm going to do that's why we don't have to fear he he gives us certain signs and certain things that we can kind of gauge we're not going to know the day he's coming you might as well forget that he he made that very clear so when you hear somebody saying oh he's coming on august the 23rd he's coming on june 15th just let that go that the date isn't isn't important anyway the the point is are you going to be ready will you have repented of your sins have you accepted him as lord and savior is he your Lord, or are you doing your own thing? What, what are we working with here? So it's irrelevant. You're not going to know what day he's coming. That's why I think he he was ambiguous even about the date of his death and people uh, the date of his um, uh, of his birth. Uh, people get all upset and they want to argue, and then we argue about the resurrection. Some say it couldn't possibly have been this coming Friday because from Friday to next Sunday is not three days and three nights then somebody else said well it but it had to be at least on Saturday because they wanted to get the bodies off the cross by six o'clock Friday to six o'clock Saturday so that they wouldn't run into the the Sabbath the Jewish Sabbath somebody else said well it had to be Wednesday or Thursday you know what that thank God that's not my mission I am not concerned, whether it was good Wednesday, good Thursday, good Friday, or a good Saturday. What is the point that I need to get out of this? And that point is that he rose. Not only did he rise, he didn't rise weak. He rose with all power. Look at that attitude. I got all power in heaven and earth, in my hands, I've got the key. I didn't even know hell had a key. He said, but I've got the keys to death. I know who's gonna die, I know when. I was shocked when I got the word about my three friends, but Jesus was not. He said, I got the keys to death, to hell and the grave. I got it all. So I I am I am the one. I am the living God. The only true and living God. And so we see him holding it and then we see John crying. And and the elders are like, "John, why are you crying?" And John is right. It's because nobody's worthy. Because before before they asked John this, they, they, the, the book needed to be opened. I don't know. This is one of those questions that I tell my students. You, some stuff you cannot ask me. Like, why didn't God just go ahead and open the book himself? I don't know. <laughs> and furthermore, I, I'm not inclined to even ask him, well, why didn't you just go ahead and open it? He wanted someone else to open this book, and we're going to find out who that someone is. But before he picked that someone, he looked and searched all of heaven. Couldn't find an angel that was worthy to take the book out of the hand of him that sat on the throne and loose the seven seals of it. Couldn't find anyone worthy. And then he said he decided to look on earth and he searched everybody that was alive on earth, nobody was worthy. Then he looked under the earth, and he searched the sea, and he couldn't find anyone worthy. But we know now that that book contained the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. And as long as, as, as the testator is alive, you, you, you don't get to read the will. You don't get to distribute the assets. But once the testator dies, Oh my. Now we we need the will. The will has to be read. The assets have to be dispersed. We have to decide who's in the family and who's not. The pages have to get together and even the pages that were that were ours by birth uh stepchild foster child, adopted child, all pages, calling all pages, we all have to go to the reading of the will. And Jesus is saying, I want you to come to the reading of the will. I have left you something. And it's awesome. You're an heir. And I want you to know, you have to know. So John was crying, oh, no. If there's nobody worthy, we're never going to find, I'm not, I'm not going to get my inheritance. Now, if somebody said that today, we would say, you're just so greedy and you're being insensitive. No, you let a good reputable lawyer knock on my door, send me a letter and tell me that I have inherited millions or billions i'm gonna check him out i'm gonna have my lawyer do a a background and a reference check and wherever i'm supposed to be to have reading of the will i can guarantee you i will be there at least an hour to two early i will be there waiting on the lawyer's office to open it takes a good four hours in traffic to get to los angeles of course now that we're all uh on lockdown I call it house arrest. You know, we just don't have the ankle bracelets, but we're all under house arrest. I probably could get there a little faster. But you let them tell me that I need to be in LA tomorrow morning at nine o'clock at some office downtown that I don't even know where it is in downtown Los Angeles. Craig, I would leave you so fast, son, I'm sorry. I would say, I hope that you can finish the rest of the lecture and you guys can read the rest of the chapters, but I'm out of here. I'd be gone tonight to be sure that I was downtown. So the, it's urgent. God's will is wrapped up. It's the book of the seven seals. The seals have to be opened. And each one of the seals carries out another phase of his will, of his anger, where he's pouring out stuff. His We've been praying it, but our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. We say it, but that's just for the kids. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? On earth or in the earth as it is in heaven. And then we go on into provision and all of that. But the will of God must be done. The seals have to be opened. We have to see what our inheritance is going to look like. We have to see how God is going to destroy his enemies. We have to see how God keeps his word when he told you, don't get up and go after somebody who did you wrong. He said, vengeance is mine. You're not authorized to go jump on somebody and beat them to a bloody pulp because of what they did to you. I didn't say you didn't have the right to feel like that because some of our hurts were pretty deep and we did feel, we feel like putting a hurting on somebody. But do you really want, you you wanna go to jail because of them too? You (laughs) wanna give them the, I mean, you're gonna give them your past where they hurt you. You're going to give them your present where you're thinking about all this stuff and you're fuming about it and you can't sleep and you, you're you mad at the world because they did you wrong and yeah, and then you're going to give them your future and you're going to do time for them because if you kill them, the law's coming after you. Even if you just slap them and beat them down real good. Sometimes it's just, I'm not a violent person, Craig. You know, the last fight I had was in sixth grade and it didn't go well. So, uh, you know, I John Brown socked me in the eye when I was in sixth grade. And, and, and I met John Brown later as an adult. And I said, John Brown, why did, you, why did you sock me in the eye? He said, Mary Lou, you cursed at me. And I said, John Brown, I would never have cursed at you. I was a sweet child. He said, Mary Lou, you called me a name. And I'm like, John Brown, what I remember is we were in the assembly. And it was dark. And I do remember sticking my hand through the seat, the little opening, and poking you, like in the ribs, in the back. But I don't remember. And, and I think I did that, John Brown, because I liked you. But I didn't know how to tell you that I liked you. And so when we got out, I think John Brown was frustrated. And he said to me, if you do that one more time, Mary Lou, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you when we get outside. I guess John Brown didn't want to be touched by me. So I guess I liked him, but I don't think he liked me, apparently. But anyway, so we get outside and I don't know what I said or what John Brown said, but John Brown's version is different than mine. So he said that that's what I said to him. And the next thing I know, John Brown socked me in the eye and it did not go very, very well. And I haven't stood up to anybody since like that. So I am not ready to fight and knock somebody down. And then my husband was there at the time when Joe, John Brown and I met as adults and my husband goes, well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Since you took care of things, I haven't had a lot of trouble. <laughs> and I'm like, you are really, really cold, but you can't take vengeance on somebody. The Lord said you're not authorized. Vengeance is mine. So and you, that's what we so you- want to be
0: able to see so you've got us at a point now where so many people are wanting to know is the seals haven't been broken so no. does, do you so as you already so you've already released so much freedom to everyone because okay. if everyone's people who are looking for is this the end is this the end truly we haven't even gotten to the beginning of that piece
1: exactly
0: and you've taught us that all we had to do is be faithful and and trust and know who god is yes then we already would know what god does
1: exactly and he says i've told you so that you will not be afraid i i fear not little flock no the seal the seals have not been 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 broken 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 Revelation 6 through 19, all of those chapters are dealing with, every one of those is dealing with the tribulation. And how do we know? He gave us some specific signs, guidelines, so that we would know. Now, I tell you what I do believe, my brother, what I do believe, and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God is using everything that's going on right now, from the political, to the economic, to the spiritual, to the physical, physical meaning health, the virus, this untamed, demonic thing that's going through the land where a person is fine on Monday, on a ventilator on Thursday and dead by Friday, Uh, where, where we, We look for somebody has a cough and and they have uh, a little issue going on. And the next thing we know, before the paramedics can get there, the person is already dead and gone. I believe God is using all of this to get the attention of his people. I have no authority, Craig, where God told me I sent this plague but I do have Bible, I do have Bible that clearly lets me know God will send a plague. God will send a famine, and he will send a plague to show his people who they are, who he is, and what he will do. So I, I know that God is using this, and further, I believe that this is an example for some of us see a few of us out there couldn't fathom how the lord said after these seals have been opened and the trumpets have been blown and the bowls have been poured out all three of those sets of judgments are contained within the seals because once the seventh seal is open it holds the seven trumpets when the seventh trumpet is blown, it holds and releases the seven bowls. So when when the the, the horsemen, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, ride right up in the in the early part of Revelation, in chapter six, after we see. The, uh, A glimpse into heaven with chapters 4 and 5 of the book of Revelation. We see the one on the throne. John is describing everything that happened around the throne. What's going on? There's thunders, there's lightning, there's 24 elders, there are four beasts representing all the the animal kingdom and representing all of the political kingdoms. all there represented we see Jesus standing beside the throne we see him here in power and authority because as John begins to cry and weep, because the seals could not be opened, the the book could not the, the will of God could not be done then the the elder says don't cry John we got we got a remedy here the lion behold the lion no longer a lamb. The lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed, and he can open. He can take the book. He can look on it. They couldn't even find anybody that could even look at the book. Had to turn away in, I don't know, in shame, and darkness, because you couldn't stand the glory of it. You couldn't even look on the book, let alone open the seals, but when the first, so the, the, the first seal releases the, we're getting ready now to the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And the first one is, and the reason we know, because this person, this personality has not on the scene. It is a leader and that horse is white, that that leader comes riding out on, and he's holding a bow the Bible says no arrows and most of us say well what good is a bow without arrows but that would indicate that he's going to conquer because he's riding through the land he's taking charge and he's got a bow and he's in white or and on a white horse but it says nothing about him killing so he's going to take charge peacefully at first. We also know that when we tie Daniel and Matthew and Revelation together, we also know that this, this white horse, this first rider, which in Revelation chapter 6, it opens it up. Um, and, what, and, when, and, and I saw the lamb. Now, when I saw when the lamb had opened one of the seals and I heard one of the four living creatures saying unto me in a voice like thunder, the voice said, come and see. And I looked and behold, a white horse and he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him. Somebody had to make him king, give him a crown. Our Lord is already king. And so they were going to make him, a, a give him a crown. And he went out conquering and to conquer. So at first he comes in peace. And one of the things he's going to do that has not been done yet is to make a treaty with Israel. I'm not talking about somebody boasting and bragging that they can make a treaty. This evil figure, whom you will find later is known as the Antichrist. He is the very opposite of everything Christ is. So the Antichrist is going to make a seven-year treaty with Israel. This is how the tribulation will start. It will start with peace. Israel will will at some point be able to rebuild her temple, right? I've been to the ruins of the old temple in Jerusalem, and it is a phenomenal piece of structure. I stopped to pray there, I covered my head, out of respect and went to the wall and I prayed for all of my friends and family and everybody that I know and then I did what the bible said he said pray for the peace of Jerusalem and you pray and you write things on little slips of paper and you fold it up and stick it in the crevices and the cracks of the wall and that's there but there's been a dispute about the land forever and who owns what and the the muslims and what their piece of the land is and where they have the dome of the rock and that beautiful golden dome that we see when we see Israel. That's not God's chosen people, the Jews. So we have we, we, so Israel is looking and waiting for her king to do what the disciples thought he was going to do back in the first century. But he didn't do it. That's, what, that's how the conversation started. Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? All this you say you're going to do, are, are you going to do it now? When are you going to do it? And so we, we, um, we find that, that the Antichrist is going to come in, make a treaty with Israel for seven years. That has not happened. That, 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 so this cannot be the start of it. That hasn't happened yet. Further. I don't believe, and most mainstream scholars. Now, I do have to warn you, sir, that for as many people as there are, as many scholars, quote unquote, as there are, as many pastors, denominations, religions, you'll find that many views on everything you can think of about the book of Revelation. And I would advise people, be not soon shaken in mind. Learn who you are. Know what it means to be a child of God. Know your benefits. You need to know your benefits. You have benefits as a child of God, and you need to know that God is not angry with you. But if you don't know that, then you place yourself in the tribulation, and He wasn't even talking to you. He said, "I I brought this seventh, this seventh week, this seventy years, this week of of tribulation is for Daniel's people." It's to get them from when the mama said, you're going to do the dishes before you go to bed and you said, make me. That's what this is about. This is the Lord saying, oh, so you're not going to preach? You're not going to preach the, the gospel of Jesus Christ? You're not going to go and, and on the day of Pentecost be filled with the Spirit, with the Holy Ghost? You're, you're not going to go and preach the world? We'll see about that. Not only are you going to go, I'm going, I'm going to stop and deal with this church thing that I've created for a while, my my, my new beloved, who's been adopted and grafted into the royal family. I'm going to come back. I'll be back dealing with you. And so you're trying to insert yourself into that. And he never promised us. He promised to take me to his father's house. And that wasn't even in Revelation. That was in John 14 and what? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? neither let it be afraid. You believe in God? Believe also in me. Because in my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. Because why? I am going to prepare a place for you. He said nothing about, I'm preparing you to go through the great tribulation. I'm preparing you to be beheaded. I'm preparing you to be subject to the enemy. I'm I'm preparing you to have Satan take authority over you. I'm preparing you to run for your life from one end of this world to the other. No, he said, believe on me. As the scripture has said, and out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, peace and living water. He said, that's what I prepared. I prepared eternal life for you. I never made the enemy the ruler over you. And so you've got to know who you are. So this, this antichrist is going to burst on the scene. He will be beloved. We'll find out more about him in chapter in, in chapter thirteen and on as we read through chapter six. Uh, the whole thing is going to talk more about what those horsemen do there's four of them symbolic why horses why not cows why not dogs why not sheep to me i find that somewhat irrelevant a horse though is is part that was used he's he's the the beast that was used uh, for the cavalry Uh, the armies of heaven are coming on horses. It just shows power. There's nothing more gallant than a beautiful, well-groomed horse horse with all of the paraphernalia and whatever that he has. I know nothing about all that, but I just know it's beautiful and the way they strut and stride. And when they ride into battle, they come like they're coming to do battle. They don't go like a little lamb. Right now, we're not looking at the lamb, the small lamb of God. When you see lamb in Revelation, it's the capital L. Oh, lamb of God slain for me. And so we'll see him coming. But this this antichrist which is released with the first seal he is going to be beloved he's coming in peace he's going to make a treaty with israel nobody else could get a treat treaty with israel our government our our leader said he he said i can i I can do peace in the middle east i can handle that i'm the chosen one okay and uh, i think he thought that he could and found out that this thing, this thing with Israel and her enemies and the Arabs and, and, um, Iran and Iraq, Persia, and, and all and and Saudi Arabia, it's a bit more complicated than a lot of us thought. Because if you make friends with one set of the relatives uh, of set of Abraham's kids, you're gonna tick off the other set of Abraham's kids. And if you try to bless them, then the other set. It's a tangled web. But the the antichrist beginning with just, but see, don't stop with just that one or two. Verses read on, and you'll find out how what his character is. And he is going to have the power to do what no one else has done, and that's to make a treaty with Israel. She'll be allowed to to have her own homeland. She will be allowed to worship and do sacrifices. She thinks her Messiah has come. And that's the sad part. It almost makes me want to cry. Bless her heart. She's like, oh, Messiah is here because he's coming in peace at first until you get to the second horse, which when that seal is opened, that horse now is red. Because in the middle of the week, and remember the week is seven years, so three and a half years in, which is also referenced all throughout the book of Revelation in different ways. Three and a half years, 42 months, uh, one week, and 1,260 days, all three and a half years. And when you do the math on it, don't forget to use 360, not 365, because the calendar was changed. But you'll, you'll find that he is then going to make this treaty. There's no lasting treaty with Israel going on right now. There's an, and people are going to love the Antichrist. Oh my God, they're going to sing his praises. Oh, wonderful. And who is like him? Who can make war with him? It, it, one of these days, I'll have to just read some of this, the book of Revelation, to your audience, and we'll just do like a a family reading hour. We'll have to figure out how to do that if that's something you'd like to do. Yeah, that would but be awesome. all through there. Huh?
0: Yeah, that would be awesome.
1: So that's. That's one reason. The other reason we know is the rapture, the Lord promised to snatch us out of this earth before he poured out his wrath. He said, I have no appointment with wrath for you. That's like showing up at the doctor's office on the wrong day and then going, no, Mr. Carlisle, you don't have an appointment today. But I thought I did. Well, I'm sorry. There's nothing on the books for you. As a matter of fact, I don't even show that this doctor is your, he, he, he's not even your doctor anymore. He's no longer with us. I don't know what you're talking about. So the Lord is saying, I have no appointment for you, for rap, why? Because everything you did that would have angered him, he has forgiven you for it. And he's done what we can't do. He's forgotten it. See, we can, if we choose to, and I think it is a choice. I'm not willing to debate that with you, but I think it's, I think forgiveness is a choice because you have to get past your hurt and giving up your right to be angry with me for what I did to you.
0: So that's that's you a show topic that. we're going to have to do together at another I time because that's going to be a whole hour plus on its own.
1: Nah, nah, nah. I'm just saying. I just think it might be a choice that you make, and and you and and finally you can choose to let go and move forward. And I, the way it blesses me is, I'm not giving you any more power over me. I'm not giving you another day. As I said, you took my past. You robbed me when I was a child. You did this to me, that to me, and that to me. You ruined my self-esteem. You you, you messed up my educational possibilities. You you ruined what I thought about myself, blah, blah, blah. Now you've ruined my today because I'm stuck, and I can't get past it. So you hurt me yesterday. You're hurting me today. And then I'm going to give you my tomorrow too? No. I'm gonna to choose to let it go. But the Lord said, anything you did, not only have I forgiven you for it, I've cast into a sea of forgetfulness to be remembered no more. You and I would have trouble erasing from our memories. So sometimes we get the two of those mixed up. Forgiveness and forgetting are not the same thing, but neither has unforgiveness, or forgiveness, whichever subject we're talking about, you don't don't have to let it ruin your tomorrow. So the Antichrist has not shown up on the scene. The whole world will love him and wonder and marvel after him, and that is not our great leader nor any other leader that we see on the landscape today. I would not be surprised if that leader is somewhere being prepped you know, if Satan already he has a plan in mind, he's going to duplicate, try to duplicate everything God did with God the Father, with God, God the Father, Satan himself, the dragon, that serpent, the devil, Lucifer. Satan, all one and the same. He will take over the role of being the father, if you will, in the last days. Then he will anoint, give his power to one that is referred to as the beast. He is the false Christ, the anti Christ the one who is the, everything you can think that Christ is that's what the antichrist is not if Jesus gives life the antichrist is bringing death if Jesus is the healer the antichrist will bring sickness and disease and so forth and so on then to round out that ungodly unholy trinity you will find that the that he will implement another leader known as the false prophet who is the equivalent in our vernacular of the holy spirit the one who motivates us to worship he, he when the holy spirit moves you in your mind in your heart and you begin to think about how good god is it almost compels you to say thank you and to worship and that's what the false prophet is going to do in the last days he will have a statue erected something fit for a king and the people will bow before it and if you don't worship it you know like we they did with the one with Nebuchadnezzar in the Old Testament but this is a New Testament thing if you will post New Testament actually and then he will uh cause everybody that does not worship this image of the beast, or worship the beast, that they will then have to receive a mark. And that, uh, or, or they will be killed if they do not worship, they, they will be killed. And uh, and also he will empower, uh, he'll have the, 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 the ability to work like magic and tricks and stuff, but they all think it's the anointing because the nations are being deceived. And this statue is going to be able to speak and move, and it's going to have a mouth that speaks great swelling things and saying who he is and what he can do. And so therefore, we know that such a thing has not come into play yet. Plus, Jesus himself said, uh, Craig, in the book of St. Matthew, chapter 24, he describes all these things that are going to be going on at the end of time. And there will be pestilence, uncontrolled, rampant sickness, no known cure, uncertain origin. We've heard everything from soup to nuts as to what caused this virus, what may be able to cure it. The world is in a hurry, so we don't have time, my fellow scientists and researchers, for you to run tests and see if I concoct this stuff in the, in the laboratory. Is it going to kill anybody? Is it gonna, are they going to be allergic? How many doses can they take? How long does it take? We don't have time for that. What if somebody's allergic? What will be the signs of it? What if it kills them instead of help them? Well, somebody said, well, they're going to die anyway. Is that that's what it's come down to? So we don't have, we are in the end times, but Jesus said, Jesus said, you should be able to believe him. The end is not yet. It's not yet. The Antichrist has not been released with ramp. And and the Bible, the apostle Paul was telling them that the spirit of God is is withholding, he's preventing the Antichrist from coming. And and he wants us to know that the the end is sure to come, but it has not come yet. But the Lord did say, that the spirit of the antichrist is already in the world when today so those of you who are concerned if i could speak directly to the audience those of you that are concerned about is is this it are are the seals being opened right now is is this the end? Will I have time to repent? Do I need to pack up and move to the mountains? He was not talking to you. He, when he talked to, to the Jews and he said, when you see these signs flee to Judea, we don't even know where Judea is. I mean, on a map, we could find it. But the point is, he was not telling you to run from your enemy. That's nowhere in the promises that I've read so far. I see nothing in there. I am told, however, that this same Jesus that left that day from the men of Judea and of Galilee, and he said, why stand ye here gazing into heaven? Why are you just looking up, watching what's going on in heaven? And that's one of those rhetorical questions because he knew they were looking at Jesus. He knew. But he, but he, but he made a proclamation. The angel said, this same Jesus, and I think that's significant, the same one that was on the boat with the fellows when the storm came, the same one that walked to the tomb and spoke to Lazarus, who'd been dead, unembalmed, unembalmed for four days in a desert town, that same Jesus that called him and raised him from the dead and so many other miracles the same one that hung bled and died on the cross for for your sins and for mine that same jesus is coming back in like manner you're going to see him and the bible said that he was going to come and meet us in the air he's going to meet us in the clouds the dead in christ your mom my sister-in-law my husband your your dad somebody lost a baby somebody lost a child somebody somebody uh, lost a, a dear friend all of that all of the he said the dead in Christ are going to rise first then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, them who, them dead, to meet the Lord in the air. And then he says, in case you're worried about what's going to happen next, he said, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. This body will be changed from mortal to immortality. In a moment, he said, At the last day, there's going to be a trump that's going to sound. And he used midnight as, as a metaphor, as an example. At the trumpet will sound, and at midnight, there's a cry made. All right. And the Lord is going to come and reclaim his own. All right. Any other questions so or comments? So, so
0: you're not saying it's the Trump, like President Trump, going to speak. You talk about an instrument.
1: I'm talking about the instrument that King James referred to as the Trump, but we refer to it as the trumpet. The trump. Uh-huh. That, but you know what? You, you, you can do that as the host, you can sure do it. No, um I I I can't go political much further than I already have. So uh if you'll allow me, yeah. I, I'd like to let that go. <laughs>
0: I know there's some people out there saying, "See, we we already got the antichrist right there because the Trump's there." There you go. But, but I, I appreciate you so much for for giving that great detail, and it's it's needed. It it's going to make so many people that hear this free, not just for this reasons, this uncertain time, but in for years to come, as we start to listen and seek God for ourselves, for what He's all about yeah. and what He wants us to know, because. You know, and I encourage everyone to just to sign up for, you know, you know Mary's pay class at Next Generation, I always get the name of the university, That's why uh, I mean, Next, next Dimension. Dimension University, Rancho Cucamonga. There's an online compo- component. I know she's...
1: Uh, yeah, a teleconferencing component. Right. Um, was, yes, ma'am. What I may end up doing, Craig, if, if I may interject, I think that I need to set up a different format and and use zoom for my end times teaching okay and and if i could speak with you about that offline i'd like i'd like to talk about that Um, the university at one point did not have the option of just taking one class and i uh they it was like my class was being offered to the resident or, or to the permanent students had, who had already signed up for either a bachelor's, a master's, or a doctoral program. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've been doing. I've been teaching uh, on every Thursday night for the last 12 weeks uh, at the, for the university and the second and fourth Saturdays when those classes meet. Uh, but some people at the time when I first came, they were not able to sign up just to take my class. So what I think that I might do is is set up my own uh, Zoom class for those people who are not in programs, not able to get in a program. So I'd like to talk with you more about that later.
0: Please, I would definitely um, volunteer to help you set that up and facilitate, do whatever you need, you know, publicize or get it. I, I want to take the class also because the knowledge is key, and I think when you mentioned that back in the day, our pastors didn't teach and no shame on them at all. But the reality is it's shame on us for not trying because we were afraid because revelation is a scary, or should say that? Let me cancel those words. Can be. The, the thought of revelation, right, can be a scary topic because we don't understand the metaphoric knowledge exactly. of, of exactly. the symbols. And, and you're going to be able to help us understand the symbology. Like you've helped us today understand that the seals haven't yet been broken. The Antichrist isn't physically here yet, though his spirit is here upon the land. spirit is here, his spirit, yes. But the physical nature of it is not here. No, so, no, no. It, so a parent like myself, I have peace just from listening to you now, because I don't have to wonder about, man, I don't want to be here doing this whole thing because I don't want to be involved. I don't want to have to take the mark. I want to be able to no, be free. Exactly. I want my children's children's children to be free. Or if it's time for us to go, well, let's go now because... I need my sons to go i don't need my sons to have to choose between taking the mark to eat and be happy versus save it's... stay with you and be obedient to christ come
1: on yes so
0: i think it's it's very important for our listeners as again you've been listening to the raising men show and i know this is an unusual episode of the raising men show but it, it's timely And this we, the show has been branded to give to have real talk about real life and i tell you
1: mm-hmm. if
0: revelation wasn't real life i don't know what to tell you i don't know what else is yes this is a real talk about things that we've been afraid to talk about because we haven't known anybody who knows how to talk about it that can make it make sense my aunt mary louise page is the is author of again of the book of the two books actually the first one is a study guide for the book of revelation blessings in the book wonderful book Second book that we're dealing with is Adventures in Revelation, Eschatology for Kids. These are two textbooks that she t- uses to teach amongst uh, other resources she has for at mm-hmm. Next Dimension University where she is a professor that, te- that is in Rancho Cucamonga and um, on, during the description and online, I'll publish if you don't mind the proper ways to contact the university Provide that for me, it'll be all there. And if the people wanted to reach out to you how you know? Can I provide me a way for them to reach out to you in a way that you're okay with? So it doesn't overwhelm you. Way to follow you on social media if you're okay. We'll publish all that as well.
1: Yes, um, I my I follow my email very very closely all throughout the day and during the day. Uh, so my email address is my name, Mary L. Page P. A. G. E. at Yahoo.com. And my, work, my website is being constructed as we speak. And um, so if my website is not going yet, although I do have a Facebook page and I'm learning how to be more tech savvy with, with Facebook and all of that. Uh, but I do have under new seasons, new seasons with an S, ministries, you'll find some information about me there but you can contact me by email. Um, I also got some text messages. Uh, I don't like to do um, by phone until I know who you are because I have to delete so many of those calls of the scammers that I might accidentally delete somebody that's trying to reach me for something um, you know, that really is important. But uh, if you send me an email I would be sure and get it, Mary Page at yahoo.com. And I am on Facebook uh, with my own webpage under Mary Page or New Seasons Ministries. You will also find a connection there to Henry Page Ministries. That is the Africa leg of our work, the Africa and the foreign field work, London, Nigeria, Italy. Um, That's that part of what I do. But Page at yahoo.com I ought to get it until I get my website completely done.
0: Well, we bless you, with, you know, with provision and with peace and with refreshing as you go, because I know you're a night owl, you're like me. There's moments we just would rather sometimes spend all night up than be up early throughout the day. But I definitely appreciate you so much for being here. Um, well, Sharing
1: Yes, thank you. I'm, I'm sorry, I wanted to say, you mentioned the children. And the children are near and dear to my heart. And I think that is part of the reason why God chose me a mother. And he used a mother. And now you, a father, chose us to get this word out. I was working. I don't know if I have time to share this with you or not. But I was working. I was working on updating my Bible story materials back in 2012 and 2013, getting ready for a summer class. And I had put my copies and materials and stuff together, and I was just, I was really working, pulling everything together. And um, I was showing them to my son, who is also my pastor, Pastor Michael Page, and his wife, Lady Christina Page, our co-pastor. And as she was thumbing through the material she's she was talking really to herself like she was thinking out loud and she said it would be nice if we had something like this for kids and my first thought was hey I already let kids come to my class when I teach the end times I let kids come if the parents bring them but before I could get that out and 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 verbalize the thought, I remembered quickly how difficult it is to teach. You know, it took all of my skill that I could muster to teach a group of 8 to 10 to 12 year olds and a group of adults in the same setting about a subject as complicated and complex as the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so the Lord immediately began to give me how to organize what I thought was a class. I thought I was organizing a class. He gave me chapters, titles, all these different titles that ended up being the individual chapters for, uh, the, book of Revo- for the book of Adventures in Revelation. And it started because Lady Christina has three children that she was concerned about. She knew they needed to know about the second coming. They needed to know that, that Jesus loved them more than it's time to go to church. Let's go to church and sit there all day. And then we, after church, we go to dinner. It's more than that. It's more than, oh, it's Bible study or it's Sunday school. She wanted them to know the truth of scripture. And then you mentioned, you want your sons to know. You don't want to transfer fear and ignorance to your next generation and the bible says teach them parents teach them who god is show them, tell them oh god just worked a miracle for us today or god just made a way for this or a way for that so you wanting your sons to know more than you knew at their age that is one of the primary functions of Adventures in Revelation. It takes it in a story format, and it allows you, you read it first, and then you can break it down and have discussions that's interactive, and I think you will find that it is an amazing piece of work. I haven't seen any, and I don't say it's amazing because I wrote it. I have to give God sincerely the credit, all of the credit for putting that work together it's like it just flowed out of my head. I didn't sit down and research it and think about it. And I I think that you'll find the children will love it. You will love it. You can read it in bits and pieces. It can be nighttime reading. It's not gonna scare them into horrible, Uh, nightmares, uh, and even those chapters that do deal with war or something like that. I give the parents a head up and I call it PC. That's the rating that I made up. And that means parents' choice, where you can read that one page first. And if you think it's okay, then you can share it with your child. There's just a few of those chapters. Uh, You might even find parts of my story in there when it comes to the Uh, marriage supper of the Lamb, that great wedding that we're going to have in heaven. You may find something in there of somebody you know. But I wanted to just piggyback on what you said because the Lord requires that parents teach the children. And there's a place in there where your child can write their name in the book, signifying the day that they either dedicated or rededicated their lives to the Lord. With the focus on love, I remember coming into the church as a 13-year-old, getting saved and giving my life to the Lord. And nobody that I recall told me that God loved me. But they did tell me the rules of the church. You can't wear this, you can't put this on, you can't. There was even a debate back in the 60s as to whether or not You could wear an Afro or a natural or whether you had to press your hair or whether you couldn't press and straighten your hair. It was just, it was amazing whether women could or could not wear pants or jeans or shorts or whatever. It was, so they told me all that. But what the children need to know is that they, they need to know what some of us adults have missed. We wouldn't be scared if we knew what the father had promised. And if we knew that he cannot lie, he can't. He has no reason to. He wouldn't if he could, but the Bible says he can't. So I think it's just an amazing thing that you mentioned, and I didn't mean to go on and on, but I wanted you to know that you are on the right track. Your sons will then have a head start on knowing who Jesus is. They will be, they perhaps already know him, but they'll know uh, the, the the Jesus of Revelation, they'll know him in a different way, and they won't fear him. They will look forward to his coming. Oh, he's coming on a horse, and he's got an army behind him, and he's going to get the bad guys? Oh, yeah. It's going to be bad times for the bad guys. Good times for the good guys. Jesus Christ to the rescue. God bless.
0: Amen. And that's what I'm looking forward to, because I, I believe in the scripture says you will know the truth capital T, and the truth will make you free. So I want us all to be free. Would you, would you pray for the listeners? I think it's very important to, to wrap this particular session up with prayer. And would you just lead us?
1: Yes. Father, in the precious name of Jesus, no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. We bless you this afternoon this evening, wherever this broadcast is being heard around the world. We bless you because you are God and there is none like you in all the earth. We bless you because you have called us friends and you told us that friends will tell each other where they're going and that you have not called us servants. Yet we choose to be bond servants to you because of what you did but you have given us an inheritance among those that are sanctified. We thank you that you have blessed our going out and our coming in. You have given us an opportunity to share from the word of God. And I ask that you will look on everyone that hears this broadcast. As we go deeper day by day with the numbers rising before our eyes on the screen of those who are diagnosed with this deadly disease, as we deal with the skeptics, the pundits, the fearful, the bold, the ridiculous, the arrogant, and those of us that just love you, I ask that you bless us, calm your people. Speak peace to the hearts and mind. Let us know that you have not given us the spirit of fear. That is why you told us and gave us the details. You have not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I take authority by the presence of the Holy Ghost to speak to every believer that is listening, to everyone that will become a believer as as a result of the spreading of the gospel. We say, peace, be still. Sleep well, my friend. Our God is still in control. There is nothing too hard for him. As a matter of fact, there's nothing hard for him. And I'm asking that you will bless these thy people as we navigate these treacherous waters of the end time uncharted waters, things we've not seen before. But because you are in control of all things, we have nothing to fear. And I ask that you look on this young man who is trying to get the word out in our relationships, in our spiritual relationships, and everything that you have assigned for us to do. I'm asking that you will bless Craig, bless his work, let it multiply, let it go around the world and be a blessing to everyone that will hear it. And I ask that you do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. The son of the living God. Thank God. Amen. WKBY 1080 AM. We keep blessing
0: you.